The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. today struggle with eating disorders. If you are one of the thousands of people who do, you may be experiencing feelings of overwhelm and isolation. You are not alone. Welcome to Chasing Hunger. Here you'll find out what you can do, where you can find the resources, discover the truths, and get the help you need to regain control of your life. Here is Kathy Welter Nichols, author and host of Chasing Hunger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chasing Hunger. It's great to be here with you again, and I think I've got a really interesting show, not just for um, those of you that are struggling with an eating disorder, and we are still in the midst of that month of February, which is kind of the international um, month around the globe for eating disorders awareness and so we're right prime in the middle of it with our program and so today where I want to take us is into this really interesting subject of how do we maintain our recovery once we've gone through a process once we've really identified that it's not the best thing for us to be doing anymore we've decided that that addiction needs to go to wherever it's going to go to and we need to be done with it and walk away from it how do we do that so today we're really going to expand on this concept of long-term recovery what does it look like how do people do it? How do people achieve it? How do you step away from that relapse theory? I know in generalized eating disorders, if you look across the board, the the model of recovery is based in um, both the psychology model and the medical areas. Um, both need to be involved in it. And their um, strategies for recovery is something like seven years, multiple relapses, and by the end of that period of time, a person with a eating disorder can be coming to the conclusion with it how do we do that how do we get over an addiction how do we put it behind us permanently some of my clients have done it beautifully they've just simply gone through the process I work with them Um, as a one-on-one they come and see me I I see them on their own and we do our three-day intensive and then we continue our work for the following three months just to keep them on track with uh, with their recovery and for the most part I'm happy to say most of my clients have been able to manage to get through it without having to go down the relapse road some of them have relapsed and have come back and we have done the the tweaking the bits and pieces that we need to do because sometimes you just can't get it all in the in the first go or something happens and we'll revert to the old strategy the old pattern the old behavior the old way of being it just seems to be easier so with addictive patterns we can sometimes commit to a week or two maybe a month, three months, and uh, maybe we even get to six months, possibly a year. But what does it look like to shift that pattern permanently? That's right, walk away from it for good. 
to move beyond the reach of the addiction, not just for the short term, but instead for the rest of your life. This needs a strategy. And you already have them in many other areas and tasks and lifestyle choices that you live your life through. Strategies operate at the level of the unconscious and they are created to support our deep internal beliefs and values. Let's take another strategy. Learning to tie your shoes. Do you remember how you learned? Do you remember how complicated it looked? I remember my my granddaughter watching me tie her shoes and then I said, can, can you try and do this too? And she folded everything up on the top of the shoe and patted it. <laughs> and it all popped apart. <laughs> and then she said, no, I can't tie the shoes. How about learning how to ride a bike? That takes a whole lot of other uh, brain function to be able to manage it. Balance, motion, maintaining balance, being able to stop, being able to navigate the world around you, being able to look ahead and see where you're actually going and realizing that you're going to be there faster than if you ran or walked. So these take brain cognitive awareness. But seriously, once you've learned how to ride a bike or tied your shoes, you never really have to think about it very much anymore. Oh, sure, you get the bike going and you get on it and you start now and and biking's one of your things and you just do it kind of mindlessly. It seems mindless. And yet we have developed a very powerful strategy. There's a stepping stone. The first thing, the second thing, the third thing, and then everything's starting to work together. This happens when we're learning a new language or when we're at school and learning new things, new systems, new, new ways of, of doing something. Language and learning and the power of how we create this life we're living is really all based in these incredible strategies and strategies are uniquely based in our beliefs and values what does it look like what are what are beliefs and values about well they're powerful as a matter of fact at the very core of our strategy for living exists this very powerful thing that's driving everything we do in our beliefs and our values It's just like that story, and I love to tell it. It's really kind of a fun one. And you may have heard it before, but I'm going to tell it anyway. It's like this guy who thought he was a corpse. And he went on about being a corpse in his family all the time. His wife got sick and tired of hearing from him. I'm a corpse, you know. I'm a corpse. I'm a corpse. So finally his wife hauled him off to the doctor to get this sorted out. So the doctor listened to the whole story and took a few moments to try and figure out what exactly is this guy talking about. So as he listened, the chap listed all his various arguments, beliefs, and strategies about why he was a corpse. And as the doc listened thoughtfully, wondering how am I going to convince this man he is in fact a living being, It would have to be a real convincer, and he knew it. Then suddenly, like a light bulb, he had it. So he sat back and he asked the the patient, 
Did you know that corpses don't bleed? The man sat back and thought about it. By gosh, you're right. So the doctor suggested to him, why don't we test this? I'll just stick this pin in the end of your finger. We'll see if you're a corpse or not, because we'll know because you won't or you will bleed. So the fellow agreed. Sure enough, as he stuck him with the end of the needle, a little droplet of blood came forth. And the doctor was so self-pleased with himself, he sat back and kind of nodded and said to the fellow, well, there you go then. And the fellow, looking at the small droplet of blood that was kind of growing on the end of his fingertip, said, well, I'll be darned, corpses do bleed. That's the power of beliefs and values. We believe them so strongly that the convincers will lead us down the path no matter what. When we take this over into the area of eating disorders, the beliefs and values that are associated with a continuum of an eating disorder can actually be kind of mind-boggling at times. It's attached to everything. I know my friend Debbie Williams, who was on the program with me in January, she said it's like a web. It's attached to everything. It's attached to everything we do and whatever way we think about ourselves. And so when we're looking at strategies for recovery and maintaining recovery, we really have to examine those deep values and those deep beliefs. But before we go there too deeply, where we really want to look is what is the benefit to this behavior? It is my belief, and it's certainly a belief uh, out of the methodologies of NLP, that all behavior has a positive intention. If we simply know what that intention is, is there a way that we can find a different way to achieve the outcome? Is there a way somebody else is doing it that might be different and might offer a different alternative? When we learn some of these strategies at that core age, somewhere in those early teen years, somewhere between 11 to 15, these can be really challenging to break through. Because they're steeped in a time when the brain is going through massive brain changes. And these become automated thought processes that are simply engaging in behavior in a sort of mindless way. So strategies serve us. They help us process information and turn it into behavior. And generally it's based on how we've executed that behavior in the past, what makes it most efficient. So we're going to talk a little bit more about strategies here today, and I'm going to offer you some suggestions, some ideas, some maybe some things you haven't really thought about yet. But this is going to be kind of fun to think about doing things in a different way, in a way that helps you make some different choices in your life. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
contact Kathy Welter Nichols for a private consultation. Use the promo code VA-ChasingHunger for show specials. Book your spot today and start your recovery. Call 1-604-421-1722. Chasing Hunger, the book, is available at ChasingHunger.com, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. You can find Kathy at WaysOfTheWiseWoman.com. Kathy is a gifted speaker and presenter and is available to speak to your group on all subjects related to women's issues. Contact her now and make your next meeting powerful and inspiring. Call 1-604-421-1722 or visit waysofthewisewoman.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are listening to Chasing Hunger with Kathy Welter Nichols. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to welterk at shaw.ca. Now, back to Chasing Hunger. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. So we're looking at strategies today. How did you figure out that the strategy of using an eating disorder was somehow going to work for you. <clears throat> I know some of my clients have shared with me, you know, we get into some of the details of how they actually um, use bulimia, for instance, or, or their strategies around anorexia and their strategies to it. And so some of them are kind of proud of the strategies they have adapted, utilized, and the way they actually make it happen. Not unlike the strategy for smoking a cigarette. What do you have to do to smoke a cigarette? Well, you got to find your cigarettes. You got to find the smokes, find the ashtray, find a lighter, uh, get yourself to some place where you can smoke it. There's a strategy to smoking a cigarette, and there is a purpose behind it. Often, there's a purpose to smoking a cigarette that uh, it it lets us have a break, and lets us take a moment, it lets us have a bit of a time out. Um, it gets us up and gets us moving, even though it's not a healthy way to do things. So how do we get ourselves out of some of these patterns? What about the guy with alcohol and, and his number one thing is to reach for the alcohol when um, anything happens. Life presents, a challenge comes up, he takes a reactive stance and he starts to judge himself. Have I overreacted? Oh my gosh, I need a drink to calm myself down. Um, or the same strategy can apply. It's a way that I take a time out, that I take myself out for some social time and I just don't know how to not drink so much. And so I end up drinking too much. 
A person with an eating disorder, when we look at anorexia, one of the main strategies around anorexia is the, and they call it the drive for thinness, but it's much more. And if you've got anorexia, I know you're listening to this, it's much more than a drive for thinness. It's a, it's a downright competition. One of the most profound things I heard from a young woman who had transitioned from anorexia to bulimia, which in many ways saved her her life. But she had shared with me when she was 13, and uh, that particular summer she was the youngest in the family, and that particular summer her sister and mom went on a diet together, and they, her sister was 17, and her mom and she were going to do this diet for the summer months. And they had all the foods they were going to eat and when they were going to eat and the exercise plan they were going to do. And they said to her, no, you're too young for a diet, so you, you can't do this with us. When she and I unpacked her decision to start an eating disorder, we went right back to that moment in time. And she said to me, that was when I decided, I'll show you how to lose weight. Inside herself, inside her mind, she coached herself to show her sister and her mom, I'll show you thin. And by George, she did. Within the months of that summer, she was down to eating seven peas a day, which resulted in September her being hospitalized for the first of many hospital stays that she would go through. Throughout most of her teen years, she was in and out of hospitals, intensive cares, um, just never came back from it. Hers was a decision to be thin. And she figured out how to get it so that she could keep it going this way. She would say to the hospital staff, I will only eat food from my mother. So only when my mother comes into the hospital room will I eat. And of course, all the staff listened to that. And they would wait for the mother to get there and then she would eat her few peas or whatever food they could possibly get into her. So that drive for thinness can formulate a pattern of thought that doesn't really have anything to do with being extremely thin. It has everything to do with competition. It's a competition. One of my clients who came in from Kenya beautiful family, this beautiful young woman. I opened the door to one particular day and she came in beautifully, immaculately dressed, grace and poise, beautifully made up. Her makeup was amazing. And she was five foot 11 and weighed just under a hundred pounds. Her heart was in terrible shape. Her body was so thin It was painful, really, to kind of look at it. And she shared with me that she knew people watched her and looked at her and looked at her walking down the street and looked at her when she came into a room and looked at her wherever she, when she went into a doctor's office, when she went in anywhere, people looked at her. And in her mind, she shared with me with the little grin on her face because they envy how thin I am and they know they could never be like me. The mindset, the strategy, the belief. 
But this kind of a belief and mindset and value system over time depletes the brain. Reason is no longer available. The only strategy that she could now follow was her strategy to maintain her thinness. Another client I had who came in from Bali, and when she came to do the work with me here, she was very happy to maintain eating, and and she was in her mid-40s. But as, as our work came to conclusion, she said to me, you know, Kathy, the thing is, I just love it when all of my colleagues and friends and family members and even my daughter looks at me and goes, how can you at your age still look the way you do? She said, I know they all envy me. Oh, they don't know that I throw up everything I eat every day. But she said, I, I don't know that I can be without that, that kind of adoration. So these are the starts of strategies. And remember I said to you, every strategy has a positive intention. So what's the positive intention of the woman from Bali? To continue to have the adoration of her, of her friends and at any cost. She did recover from bulimia. She did choose to go in that route because she also knew she was getting to the age where she really couldn't um, stress her body any longer with the old patterns. So this meant that the new change for her was going to be to establish a new value system, a new belief system, and a new set of strategies to help her continue to get what she wanted without having to involve this old pattern. It comes from asking simple questions. They're much more simple than we believe. Rather than looking face on into the anorexia or head on into the bulimia or just digging into that binge disorder, Let's look in a completely different direction. And this is what every one of my clients share with me. I just want to eat normally. What is normal to them? They don't even remember. Last time they ate normally, they were 13. And now they're 55. What is normal? Okay, we have to figure out what that is. So what we do is we ask a person that's extremely comfortable in their body, likes their body, enjoys physical activity for the purpose of physical activity, not as competition, and enjoys eating from a wide variety of foods and doesn't really view any food as good or bad. Food is just fuel and it's needed. And when my body's hungry, it tells me, and I go and I get the food that satisfies my hunger. Oh, sure, some days that person may eat a little more than they might have done on a different day. But it doesn't throw the whole thing into chaos. It doesn't create the extreme anxiety, the panic attack, or anything else that might go with that. This is normal. How does that happen? How do we get there? Well, that's the process of my work, is the very first day, that's what my clients experience, eating normally all through the day, while we continue to do our work around the side. 
So we're doing our process. We're learning about things. I'm learning. I'm asking questions. We're looking at how how this all came about. And all the while, we are eating small amounts of food, six small meals a day. And while I'm providing the food in kind of a grazing type of way, the food is put in front of my client and she eats and I take the dishes away and here's something more and here's something more and, and things they don't like, they don't eat. And before very long, the day is complete and guess what? They're not thinking about food. As a matter of fact, they stop thinking about food about four o'clock in the afternoon. They had enough calories in for the day that food is no longer the focus. They can't believe it. I'm not thinking about food. Wow. This is the difference, I think, with the eating disorders as as compared to other addictive substances. Is that you simply have to change the strategy a bit and you begin to realize some real benefits some real positive outcomes. Relapses often occurs a lack of planning. Lack of planning a strategy. Awareness awareness lets us know there will be those days when things just get to us. A fight with somebody first thing in the morning. Um, cell phone wasn't plugged in last night. I don't know. It could be anything. Anything little, anything big, it could be there and it'll trigger off some of those old strategies just like planning to use our addictive behavior we need to plan for the moment when life presents and suddenly we're in the deep end of the pool once again what then can i become my own lifeline absolutely if you're not willing to be your own lifeline who do you expect is going to be there for you in the moment I'm going to answer that. Who do you expect is going to be there for you in the moment of a crisis? Your old pal, the eating disorder. It's been the number one thing that every one of my clients has presented with. I just don't know how I'm going to manage my life without it. Because it's scary. What do I do in the moment of complete and utter chaos, fear, and panic? What will I do? We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Contact Kathy Welter Nichols for a private consultation. Use the promo code VA Chasing Hunger for show specials. Book your spot today and start your recovery. Call 1 604 421 1722. Chasing Hunger, the book, is available at chasinghunger.com, Amazon, and Barnes and Noble. You can find Kathy at waysofthewisewoman.com. Kathy is a gifted speaker and presenter and is available to speak to your group on all subjects related to women's issues. Contact Contact her now and make your next meeting powerful and inspiring. Call 1-604-421-1722 or visit waysofthewisewoman.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. listening to Chasing Hunger with Kathy Welter Nichols. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to welterk at shaw.ca. Now, back to Chasing Hunger. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. We're talking about strategies today. How does someone else do something and... Do it well, do it exceptionally well. How do they do something? How do they do that? How do they achieve it? Well, I want to direct you back into your own world, into the way that you do something extremely well. Everybody has something they do extremely well. And if you're hard-pressed to find something that you do extremely well, just look at how you do bulimia or anorexia right now. How do you do it? There are other people on this planet that just simply could not fathom what you do and could not do it. How do you achieve excellence in different areas of your life? So if we take the strategy of of doing bulimia, for instance, there's a lot of thought must go into it. There's a lot of belief that there's a benefit. You have to plan. You have to organize. You have to figure out where, when, how, how often. You have to figure out how to get the food. You have to figure out where I'm going to be able to actually go through the process because you need to have a privacy of a bathroom. There's a lot of strategy involved there for the one big number one payoff. There is a benefit to everything we do. What if we took and redirected our focus in a completely different direction? Now, I know you're competitive, and I know being the best at something is really important to you. So what if we looked in a different direction, and we set a different goal in place? How could you utilize some of the strategies that you've been using to maintain all of this, and instead apply it to something else? Here's the question. What if we looked in the different direction called health and wellness? What would it look like? What questions would you have to ask? How do I get healthy from this? How do I get out of this? How do I plan my my steps to take myself out of this behavior? I know it's not good for me. It's certainly not healthy. It does not contribute to my wellness. In fact, it makes me kind of miserable most of the time, difficult to deal with, challenging at the best. I often misdirect people. I don't tell the truth. I hide from almost everything that's going on in my world. So what would it look like if you were going to start to ask the questions, who could you ask? 
What if you asked a medical provider? What if instead of going into your doctor and and trying to cover up the fact that you've actually got an eating disorder, but you've got some malaise that's associated with it, but actually told the truth and said, this is what I've got. What would it look like for me to get over it? And disclose the absolute truth. Believe me, eventually your secret will come out. Eventually, you'll have to disclose. Even if you've managed to keep yourself well enough through the years so that your midlife with this eating disorder, your body is going to start to have problems eventually. You might think you're a functioning bulimic or a functioning anorexic or something along these lines, but really, it's not going to last forever. The health and wellness side of this is going to ask you to look at this in a different way. I want to say this too. You know that through the process of this thing, you've been making your own choices without anybody else's involvement. At the age of 12 or 13, you decided to try this. You didn't mention it to anybody. You didn't ask for feedback or input. You went and found out the information about how to do it from somebody, even if it's somebody in the locker rooms at your high school or your um, ballet instructor said, throw it up like the rest of us, or some coach teased you because you look like you put on a couple of pounds. Whatever that decision-making strategy was in the moment, you decided you wanted to do something about this situation and you wanted to do it in a way that was quick and expedite it and get the fastest results. In other words, have my cake, eat it too, and then throw it up. That works. That's a strategy. But it isn't a long-term strategy, and it's not going to help you down the road. Down the road, your body is suffering, your mind is suffering, your emotions are suffering. You're out of control most of the time. So we really do need a different strategy here. So what would it look like? Who would you ask? I know a a client I had who had Crohn's disease. And she'd been through quite a bit with it over her lifetime. And she was very invested in finding out the best ways to do things, the best ways to stay with, how to figure out what to do, working her way through this problem of Crohn's disease. Until one day... A person asked her, what's your wellness plan? Wellness plan? What What do you mean wellness plan? Well, what do your doctors say is your recovery strategy? Um, what's your future like? What? Where do you want to be in two years' time? What What do your surgeons say? What do your internists say? What What do they believe about your recovery? It started a whole new path for her. A whole new dynamic happened in that very moment. She interviewed all her doctors, got all the bits and pieces from every one of them, and then cross-pollinated too and asked each doctor what he thought of the other doctor's opinion. So you see, there's lots of ways that you can step into this work and take it in a different direction. You already have incredible strategies that have worked for you. Just how are you applying them? 
So when we understand that the process of an addiction is really a choice, it's a choice point. In the moment, you chose this looked like the very best way to achieve the outcome I wanted, and I wasn't going to listen to anybody else's directions. I wasn't going to ask any other any other person's input or permission. I just gathered the information I gathered, and I went ahead and went in this direction. So I want to put this point in here. How can we actually turn around and blame the medical model or the psychiatric model? These are both trying to figure out this hot potato. Can we blame our parents for our addictions, our DNA, our genes? Where can we lay the blame for these choices we made when we were in our early teens? These are strategies. And they're strategies we developed at a time when we didn't have a lot of resources to really call upon. And I want you to bring that to your consciousness too. These are strategies you made in your early teens. Let's take a look at another strategy that's underway in the life of the early teen. And this is a dynamic shift in consciousness for every teenager. All of a sudden, something comes up in your life and you realize your parents are looking at you differently. I've just been in a conversation this past weekend with a a couple who have a 14-year-old daughter that all of a sudden... They are hyper-focused on. And that hyper-vigilance is really around food. She's having some tummy problems. She's having some reactions to certain foods. And they're both from the medical side of things. And instantly, we're worried about an eating disorder. And so she's been through all kinds of tests. She's had every possible test imaginable that parents can put, who are from the medical side of things, can put their kids through. But what's really happened here is all of a sudden, this child has become the number one focus of her parents in a different way. She's left her siblings behind. She's now kind of regarded as an anomaly inside the family. Something adult is happening with her, and yet she's still kind of a little girl. Where do we go with this? So all of a sudden, there's a new kind of power in the family. We have our parents' attention, and they don't quite know what to do with us. They start taking unusual actions, making all kinds of decisions. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with you. And if you happen to come from a medical family, you're going to be in for some experiences with doctors and treatment systems. If you happen to be from a family that's more into the legal side of things or politics. Wow, let's get this thing under wraps. Let's get it figured out fast. We've got to find out what the driving force is behind this and do damage control. If you're from a family of educators or re-education, it's all going to focus there, what's going on in the educational level of it. And the critical factor is you're suddenly the center of your family's attention. You're the center of your parents' attention. And sometimes this is good, and sometimes it's just attention that's coming through at a time when maybe the attention you need is not the attention you're getting. 
And so this begins to entrain family beliefs and values too. Getting this sorted out requires the family's additional training, retraining, thought processes. What are you thinking about this? And what ends up happening when this thing is picked up right at this age? Parents leap back to when this person was first brought into their life and they start divulging all the history of this person's journey to now. Whatever was the problem when they were two is still the problem today. Oh, she's not growing enough. Or this is the problem. Or this is the problem. And that's really kind of bringing information onto the table that's really not affecting where we are right now. One of the things I feel is really critical is that we pay attention to the fact that doctors and medical providers are simply trying to assist. They're trying to make sense of the chaos in the presenting case and figure it out. And sometimes they'll get information that's helpful and sometimes they'll get a confused dialogue which may lead them into a direction that that isn't necessarily where it needs to go right then. And that's partly because a lot of information is left out. A lot of information is left off the table. So let's take a look at this when we come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Contact Kathy Welter Nichols for a private consultation. Use the promo code VA-ChasingHunger for show specials. Book your spot today and start your recovery. Call 1-604-421-1722. Chasing Hunger, the book, is available at ChasingHunger.com, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. You can find Kathy at WaysOfTheWiseWoman.com. Kathy is a gifted speaker and presenter and is available to speak to your group on all subjects related to women's issues. Contact Contact her now and make your next meeting powerful and inspiring. Call 1-604-421-1722 or visit waysofthewisewoman.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are listening to Chasing Hunger with Kathy Welter Nichols. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to welterk at shaw.ca. Now, back to Chasing Hunger. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. So we're in our last little segment here, and so I'm going to zip through some of this. If you've got a pen and paper handy, maybe make some notes. 
And if you'd like, you can easily email me and I'm happy to send you out this little Q&A, this little question and answer that you can use for yourself to help yourself examine strategies that might work for you. So I want you to stop for a moment, okay, and examine this long-term strategy. It's putting you in front of professionals on a near-weekly basis, if not inside facilities. It is robbing you of your life, of your experiences. And for the purpose of managing you, stepping out of that fray, out of that constant being in front of an emergency or sitting in emergency to go through to see doctors or sitting in a doctor's office or going for more tests. Are you kidding? This is a huge amount of time. Where does your life go? Is this a good long-term strategy? What is a better strategy here? Perhaps you've simply been looking in the wrong direction yourself. Because this is really down to you. I know if you're listening to this program, it's down to you to reach out and reach for help. And I know a lot of people that are living with an eating disorder themselves simply don't want to acknowledge it. They don't have to do anything about it. The same as anybody with any addiction that doesn't necessarily have to own it or disclose it. It's working for me. But if this strategy of an eating disorder is no longer working for you and you're finding your health and wellness is really in quite a place of jeopardy, perhaps it's time to ask some different questions. And I love that about modeling other people's strategies. We start to ask different questions. Like not not how to lose the most amount of weight in the group or how to be the thinnest or to be competing with other people that are endeavoring to nearly take themselves completely out of their lives through that drive for thinness. Instead, we start to ask different questions. Like what is your wellness plan? Have you asked your doctors or your therapists what your long-term wellness strategy might be or might include? This is a pretty much a 180-degree turnabout looking in an entirely different direction. Inside facilities that offer medical assistance, if you're what they call a repeat offender and you keep showing up with the same situation time after time after time, they start to wonder how can they help you? What can they do? And this becomes an agreement of maintenance. We'll keep her as well as we can, but if she slips and fails again, of course, it just sets us all back. And what ends up happening is sometimes your care providers also begin to lose confidence in your ability to actually reach out for the help you need and utilize what they're asking you to do and giving you to do. So in many ways, you're continuing to sabotage yourself by following the same processes. Do you really want to spend the rest of your life in medical care facilities? 
How much of your time have you already given up? How much time do you want to spend focused on problems that are really not the core issues here? Looking for someone to blame for this behavior. Certainly we can't blame you. It must be mom's fault. Or maybe it's dad. Maybe it's the way the family unit works together or doesn't work together. Maybe there's somebody in the family that denies we've really got a problem here. Maybe it's the care providers themselves. There's so many people that want to hand the problem off to somebody else. But to me, that's just the distraction. It's just, it's just the thing that keeps us all spinning around the same strategy that's not working. We need something completely new and completely different. Let's move to a new strategy instead. How about challenging the belief that you know what you're doing? How about challenging the belief that you know better than anyone else because you've read more about food or food combining or an elitist view because I don't eat meat, I'm a vegetarian, this is a better way. What if you challenged the belief that you really don't know what you're doing? What if you started right there? Wouldn't it cause you to ask other questions? You can keep the lid on the truth and hide this from others easily with light references to things that you do and don't do and you can choose not to disclose the truth. So here's a question. What is the one great thing that's happened as a result of our recent politics in the world? All of us have started to listen with new ears. Ears connected to the brain. We're asking new questions. We're saying, is this true? Can I base any of my truth on what I've just heard? Is this truth? Or is it fake? These are some of the questions that everyone's asking today. And it's causing a great deal of flurry in the world. We're all reading things all the time, but we're beginning to listen with new ears. It might be believed that it's simply, I can connect the dots and figure it out for myself and I can get the medications I need and stay ahead of everybody else. But who are you really kidding? Who are you really fooling here? What if you were to ask yourself, what is my health and wellness plan? And is it different from that straight-up exercise and attacking your body for the small pinch on the inner thigh? Is your restrictive eating at the point where it will no longer actually help you gain weight, any weight at all? More questions, more questions. What about modeling someone who's kind of healthy around food and weight gains and optimal exercise but doesn't overdo anything? What is their healthy weight? What's different in them? Um, they have a pretty good sense of themselves. Um, they kind of like themselves too. They tend to play fair in life. They don't blame others for their choices and their mistakes. 
generally, because that's their demeanor, they live from a place of forgiveness and often from gratitude too, being thankful. Now that might sound like some kind of person that isn't real because everybody has anger, frustration and all those other emotions too. But for the most part, if you can manage your state, then this begins to become a strategy that you can work with, live with and develop further. People who like themselves generally like other people too. So when you're working in this kind of mindset of perfectionism and competition and thin at any cost, you are risking your journey. You're risking your brain. You're risking your body. You're risking your life, your future. And if you find yourself turning around often trying to find someone else to blame for the place you find yourself, it has to start there. Maybe in that moment you could stop for just one second and say, what is my health and wellness plan? And how do I figure this out? Because the truth is nobody can do it for you. The truth is you're the one who has to take responsibility for the choices you've been making. There's no point blaming your family members. And if it's a way to get attention from your family or from your parents, maybe the better thing to do would you be, be to have a real conversation with them. This all starts with you and what you want. And that's the start of building a solid strategy. Get in touch with me. I'm happy to share this with you. I have handouts in this area looking at values and beliefs. And the number one thing is building trust again in yourself. And that starts with straight talk, separating the spin from the truth. If you're ready, give me a shout. I'm here and I'm happy to speak with you. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll be back next week with Chasing Hunger. Bye for now. joining us for Chasing Hunger. Be sure to tune in again next week for another edition featuring your host, Kathy Welter-Nichols, next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Have a great week.